0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: First, I want to make a couple of announcements. Um, one is we've we've mentioned this before in an email, but Gail Pystrup, a member of our senior Sangha, is offering one-on-one phone conversations with some other, with some other people from the senior Sangha. So the the, the offer is to have a one-on-one phone conversation and, um, you will be, the promise is you will be deeply listened to. Um, so if you would like to be part of this, just, um, if you have uh, Gail's Gail Pystrips email in your um in your IM in, in your senior sangha uh list of participants, you could just mail directly to her or otherwise send an email to uh the senior sangha and we will get your name and email address to Gail and she'll get in touch with you. The second announcement is that dharma leaders in imc are offering practice discussions and that is on the imc website but again if you can't find it just email the senior sangha and we'll get the information back to you about how to get in touch with that and welcome to everybody who's new here Um, it's always great to see everyone who's been here before and a special welcome to the newcomers and to let you know, we also offer uh, small group discussions through the senior Sangha. So this is a great way to um, bond with other members of the Sangha uh, to become intimate in, in ways that you, you wouldn't imagine are possible with people that you don't, you don't know and would never know otherwise. So, um, If you'd like to be, uh, to to try this out, to try out being a small group, again, just email the Senior Sangha website, and we will get you enrolled. And now for today, um, the quality of equanimity. Equanimity. This is a quality that we all have. It's the most natural way of being. We are naturally equanimous. Gill describes it as um, a deeply relaxed, alert state when we don't try to do anything. So just, that's just who we are. You say it's our Buddha nature. It's who we essentially are and who we are when we're just relaxed and open. It's one of the divine abodes. It's also described as a divine state along with loving kindness, metta, compassion karuna and appreciation or joy or just glad to be here gladness in being here gladness in in the being here-ness of others the happiness of others these are all fundamentally happy states and they are fundamentally who we are the fact that we want to be happy. I think everyone here wants to be happy. So feel that, that desire in yourself, the longing to be happy. That's love. And if there isn't a hindrance or an impediment with others, an obstruction, We want them to be happy too. We want others to be happy. That's love. It's who we are. We don't want to suffer. We long not to suffer. That's who we are. And we long for others not to suffer unless there's an obstruction. It's compassion. It couldn't be more natural and human. And when we're quiet and we're noticing what is happening in our life, we have a natural appreciation and gratitude for life. Kind of a joy. And that's natural too. And equanimity embodies all of these, all these flavors of love flow naturally through equanimity, through this balanced, open, resting space of mind. Boundless space of mind. All of these qualities of mind are boundless, they're limitless. They're called they're called limitless boundless we become what we pay attention to so I'm kind of forgetting where I was going here with this. Let me see. Okay. Anyhow, so it's great to recognize this quality in ourselves. It's great to recognize all of these divine qualities, all of these abodes. But of course, we don't abide in these divine abodes much of the time. There's another law. Buddha called it the eight worldly winds, or the eight vicissitudes. This is what gets in the way of equanimity. It's described in many ways, but this is a great description. So, What gets in the way? We, even though science tells us very clearly we are all one, science knows now what Indian meditators knew 2,500 years ago. We are all particles. You are all particles. You are all space. That's why these natural qualities are boundless. They recognize this oneness. But for some strange evolutionary reason, we have fractured this off. We have created this separate ego that still really wants to be happy, still has these fundamental basic impulses to not suffer. But the ego thinks that the avenue to happiness is through the opinions of other people. The separate ego self wants other people to think it's wonderful to think it's great, to approve of it, to like it. These eight worldly wins are based on hope and fear, hope and fear. We hope for people to like us, to approve of us, to praise us. gives us a glow of happiness, right? Temporarily, temporarily, very temporarily. We want groups to think well of us. We want to have a, a good reputation. We want to have esteem. We want to have fame. We want to have power. We hope to be successful in the eyes of, of others. These are all comparative Qualities, measuring ourselves against others. Excuse me. <clears throat> A billionaire who associates with other billionaires wants 10 billion. And we want sensual pleasures, and we're afraid that we will have discomfort or we won't have the 10 billion or whatever we think we need to have enough. We're afraid of being excluded from groups, of being disliked by other people. Of being irrelevant, of being set aside, of being discarded. So let's meditate now. So if you could gently close your eyes. And sit up comfortably, a bit alertly. And relax. Go into the body. Relax your heart. Relax your belly. Relax your face and your brain, your shoulders. Allow the energy to rise up your spine and widen your chest. And feel, feel the longing to be happy. Wanting to be happy. And feel the love in that the love for yourself. And feel the longing to not suffer. And feel the tender kindness, the compassion in that longing. and feel the longing to live with the ease of an open heart. Wouldn't that be nice to always live with the ease of an open heart? Equanimity. And with all of these feelings there's a, there may be in you some upsurge of energy or joy Appreciation for this moment. Now bring to mind someone you love. Someone you're connected to that you know well. I'll use her, could be he. And imagine her life. You know her well, you know that she has ups and downs, joys and sorrows. that she's affected by the worldly winds of praise and criticism, exclusion and inclusion, fame and infamy, success and failure, pleasure and discomfort and pain. She has ups and downs. This is the law. It's been the law for 2,500 years at least for all human beings, not just her. And knowing that you wish for her to be happy, maybe with all your heart, you wish for her to not suffer. You wish that she would live with the ease of an open heart. But as much as you wish these beautiful wishes for her, it's her journey, only she is responsible for her happiness and unhappiness. Now imagine a situation, a difficult situation that she is in or has been in. And with equanimity gaze upon this with kind eyes. but knowing and accepting this is her journey. She is the heir to her own actions. There's not much you can do about it. May I have ease and tranquility knowing all of this? Turning to your own heart, how is this for you? Are you agitated, sad, disappointed? content, happy, spacious. May I be at ease with the development of my own heart and resting in this is strengthening equanimity, knowing equanimity, strengthening wisdom. Now, turning for yourself and imagining a situation that is difficult for you maybe it has to do with the opinion of others If so, you could bring that person's face to mind. Whatever you can do to land this situation into your feelings, into the feelings in your body, this challenge. and allow yourself to recognize and feel this coagulation around this constriction, the frozenness, the ice, the stuckness in this feeling. And gazing upon this feeling with the warmth of equanimity. With the wisdom that knows that for you, just like for everyone, this is the way it is. This is the law. been this way for human beings all through human history just like it is for you now just like it is for your good friend and knowing there's also this deeper truth that you are divine, that you are love and compassion and joy and equanimity. You are the warm ocean that this ice can melt into Staying with the body. May I live with the ease of an open heart. May I awaken to my true nature, which is love and compassion. and joy that knows no sorrow. So a, um, a great Tibetan teacher, this teacher had thousands of disciples. And before he died, he, he said to them, these were his final words. He says, this is, these are my, this is my final testament to you. I wish you this with all of my heart. may you never leave your ground and do not disturb the minds of others. Simple. Our bodies are our ground. And our bodies give us access to our divinity. And we become what we pay attention to. If we pay attention to our divinity, to our equanimity, if we wish this for ourselves, that's we will become more equanimous. The whole path is encapsulated in this practice of equanimity. It is said that an enlightened person, this is the foremost quality of an enlightened person, equanimity. Suzuki Roshi, when asked about enlightenment, he said, Well, if you practice, it's almost the same thing. If you practice equanimity, this having enough, I have enough, and I'm peaceful, I'm at ease, and love and compassion can flow through me. Almost like enlightenment. but we need to set an intention to live in equanimity. Some of you might want to, uh, when you wake up in the morning, a vow, today I will live in equanimity. And sure, the eight worldly winds will present themselves all through the day in little ways in fleeting thoughts and in big ways. But you'll always have access to the ground, the ground of being. Okay, I'd like to um, ask you to break up in small groups now and discuss equanimity. And... um, I recall my questions, oh yeah. Um, so the questions will be, if you can try to remember that, remember them, there are three questions. and uh, one is, how have you developed equanimity in yourself over the years? And the second part of that is what have you left behind? And the third part, if you have time, what can help you develop more equanimity in your life? Okay. Any questions? You see any questions, Chris? Can't hear you. You're uh, muted, Chris. Oh, here's a question.
2: Um, Yeah, just a second here. People are uh, shifting around, so I'm trying to balance the groups.
1: There's a desire to put the questions in chat, which I will do.
2: I can put I can do that in just a second as soon as I get the groups made here. Okay. I'm trying to balance the numbers, but people keep shifting around. So hang yeah. on.
1: So we'll take about 20 minutes for this. So if you could maybe 17 minutes or so if you're 16, if you can all have, take about four minutes, you can time yourselves and make sure that there's equal sharing. Um and the The kind of the ground rules are to listen, to not help, just to just to let people express themselves about these questions. Um, So. I think we would all love to hear anyone who's willing, willing to share what uh, what you've discovered about equanimity. In your small groups so please feel free to just pop in unmute yourself and share your wisdom and I think you're on mute
3: whoever's Hard talking no. There you, Can you talk, yes? Yes. What is the difference between uh, equanimity and serenity? Uh,
1: I think it feels pretty much the same. H- how about you? Do you, well, think a, do you think there's a difference?
3: Yes. I was wondering if it is just because serenity is easier to pronounce <laughs> that I find some things that I probably would be closer to be able to achieve than equanimity.
1: How How is it easier for you? What is the difference?
3: Uh, I think I know the feeling of ah. serenity.
1: Mm. Yeah. Good. That's great. Mm. That's wonderful. I, to me, there's no difference, but
3: that's, that's really good. because that's something I see. Yes, that is achie- achievable to some extent.
1: Yes, great.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And since you have such access to it, you can also keep bringing it to your mind, and, and you know, maybe wish yourself serenity today when you wake up in the morning. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Please unmute yourself, Catherine.
4: I think in our group, what came up was interesting to me in that uh, equanimity, now my view, serenity can involve yourself and maybe other people, but equanimity, from my understanding, involves other people. And Mm -hmm. something that came up that I thought, was really hit the nail on the head was uh, the word control and equanimity, in a sense, is giving up your control, which mm-hmm. you really don't have anyway. And so, it's kind of stepping back and giving up control to the other person or persons involved whose behavior you would like to change.
1: So, um so what so, what would you someone's behavior you would like to change yeah
0: I, I i'm reminded by I reminded myself of the importance of not taking things personally, and I think that's crucially tied to be being in an equanimous state because in, taking something personally fills me fills my mind and i can't see beyond that often and i had an experience earlier today where i saw myself go there and i I just left the conversation i was i couldn't be there anymore so i think that's a, a good thing to keep in mind
1: beautiful that's the ice when you take it personally that's the ice and by you letting the ice melt your suffering's gone right
0: Maybe that's something you could leave behind. Yes. Yeah.
1: But you still have yourself, even more of yourself, much more of yourself. Beautiful.
0: Should I just go ahead and talk?
1: Please, (laughs) yes.
0: I unmuted myself. I was just going to say, uh, we only got through the first question, but I thought there was a commonality in all all of us of speaking of the recognition of impermanence
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, how helpful that is towards equanimity or serenity to, to acknowledge that and be aware of that
1: yeah and how does that help you
0: well this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: <clears throat> Great. Age old, age old wisdom, not just Buddhism.
0: Would you repeat that, Linda? Oh, I just said I think it's it's from the Bible, isn't it? <laughs> it's just yeah, it is. It's, this sh- this too shall pass. This learning,
4: distinguishing the difference between what this too no,
0: shall before, pass. No, before that. Oh, just uh, just recognizing uh, that the impermanence of whatever uh, ups or down you may be in. And that's there's a certain amount of comfort I think in recognizing that and knowing that working working with whatever that down may be will it will pass.
5: That seems important to me too. Um, the especially the. Uh, flowing aspect of impermanence that mental states included, they're changing all the time. And uh-huh. um, what, um, what seems really important to me is not to make a fixed ideal out of equanimity um, because, for instance, if I define it as not having uh, a reaction to something... And, and I do have a reaction. Then, then that's that's not helping my equanimity. In other words, to to accept um, uh, the worldly winds as they go through. Yes. Uh, yeah. And um, and not to expect any particular uh, attitude to arise at any time, uh, but just to to be able to watch and including taking things personally to be able to watch that and sort of hold it um, from a
1: wider uh, embrace. Beautiful, thank you, Gail. That's, that's really important. You know, the ideas that you know, are constantly floating through our minds that are clinging and grasping and a little bit painful or, or, or big painful and just it's the, the ocean, the waves of the ocean keep flowing there's the ocean underneath and and, and the acceptance has something to do with maybe I'm not even going to say faith some knowledge knowledge of the ocean underneath and in meditation why I I think it's so important to meditate to get a deeper access into these into the into the ocean into the deeper stream and in and in acceptance in a stable position in the body being re- residing in the body, in the ground, not losing your ground. So that thoughts can come and go. And we're all, we're just, we're still here. We're still confident. Great. Thank you.
6: Jill has an analogy of a wildlife photographer at a watering hole. Can I couldn't hear. Gil has an analogy of a wildlife photographer at a watering hole. And the, what the photographer is very interested in everything that happens as animals come and go and interact. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah.
6: But does not interfere. And so I guess my on again, off again equanimity practice is to treat what goes on in my mind as like it's uh, animals at a watering hole. <laughs> Just just kind of watch what happens without trying to control anything. And uh, so when I manage to do that, there's some peace. And uh, and I'm I'm really interested in what's going on, uh, but don't interfere. So that's (coughs) kind of a thing that's kind of new to me. I'm still working on that.
1: Yes, senses, feelings in the body, sounds, thoughts. Life is this continual coming and going. Constant, constant change. Everything that has been said here is is so profound. I really feel inspired. Thank you all. Maybe we have time for one, maybe two more. please
4: I want to say thank you to everyone who shared because I think these are such important issues and so easy to forget in the moment
1: a lot of wisdom in this group
7: okay one thing that I thought was interesting in, in our group, none of us mentioned meditation as a way to become more equanimous, which is really strange that it didn't hop into our minds. I mean, we talked a lot about interesting things. And one thing that I thought was very interesting that one of the people mentioned was that she tried to be less grasping of the positive moments and of the negative moments, and to be a little more calmed down when great things happened, and to also not get so involved when terrible things happen. Mm. So Mm. that was interesting. Yeah. And also, I was very interested in what you said during the meditation. And we've already talked about this, not taking things personally, but the way you said it about remember that's that person's thing and their feelings and their opinions and not yours and you don't have to
1: get involved yeah. in that yeah that was very helpful right yeah they have their own suffering they have their own graspings and wantings of the opinions of others and successes yeah they they have their own their their own journey and their journey may be disturbing to us but when we realize this is their own karma this is their own path this is th- this is someone uh said this uh, once which i thought was great he said you know if you're really upset with someone don't worry about it <laughs> karma will, karma will take care of them <laughs> yeah well thank you all so much we will take a 10 minute break now and then my dear friend Robert will will be will uh, come back and and share his uh, his words of wisdom and his uh, his questions with you and we will continue continue at, at about 10 after 12 okay so see you then
8: Looks like most of us are back, and I'd like to get started just because I want to be able to use up the time. I want to be able to take advantage of the remaining time, and I'm sorry that the lighting in my room is so... I don't have front lighting it 's all back lighting so <clears throat> i appear a little bit darker on the screen so i apologize for that so <clears throat> i just wanted to welcome you all back and uh say how delighted i am to be with all of you again um i think this is the sixth time sixth time we're meeting since we started this senior sangha And uh, I think it's turned into a a rather nice experience for quite a number of us. So um, I wanted to follow up this morning on uh, what David was talking about in terms of equanimity. And uh, so I'll repeat some of the things that he said, but I think they're worth repeating. And what I'd like to do in this portion is I'd like to uh, many of you know that i I teach a c- uh, compassion program and I, and I do that um, uh, on a on a regular basis so I'm going to weave in my favorite topic which is to talk about compassion and self compassion but I'm going to weave it into the discussion of equanimity uh, and the relationship that self acceptance or self-compassion, two terms that I'll use interchangeably, how, how these things are related in the context of, um, of our own Buddhist uh, meditation and practice. So <clears throat> the question is, uh, you know, what are these qualities in the context of practice and meditation? Uh, these are pretty big questions but i think they're worthy of of our investigation and one one of the things that i wanted to uh mention which someone pointed out in the debrief a few minutes ago was this quality of um equanimity having this sense of balance associated with it so uh, in a very pragmatic and practical way, we can see that when when things are going well, we don't just float away in ecstasy or expect the particular going well conditions to remain unchanged. You know, Things are great now. They might not be as great in a little while, so we don't get too attached to it. When things aren't going our way, Uh, We don't lose ourselves in worry and despair, lashing out, blaming others, blaming life, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, in this way, uh, in both of these scenarios, what we do is whether we are recognizing it or not, when we find this quality of balance, we're diminishing the potential for stress and suffering in our lives. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of the people around us, because the quality of balance is free from a a sense of heaviness of that comes from being aversive or being you know um, impacted by by stress, either realized implicit or explicit so whenever we choose and and I want to really make clear it is a choice. Whenever we choose to carve out time to inquire into a question like this, we discover pretty quickly, especially as practitioners, that it's not really about a self, but it's rather about the psychological behaviors and experiences that we have, that we take to be ourselves so, we're not really talking about equanimity in relation to a self, but in relation to these swirling, ever changing behaviors that we could call psychological that we take to be ourselves in any given moment. So, to develop self acceptance and equanimity in the context and the reality of these human behaviors we really do have to know and we have to have a clear sense of where we are. So so <laughs> I know I'm preaching to the choir, but this requires cultivating the quality of mindfulness that we need in order to see what's actually happening in our experience and also what resources we might have available to us that we can draw on in any given moment. Of our experience. So, where are we? What's actually happening? And what resources do we have that really are available to us that we can draw on in any given moment of experience? In other words, we just begin where we are without the need to be anywhere other than where we are. If we can't be where we are, we can't be where we think we should be. So, in order to cultivate and practice the skill of non-judgmental mindfulness and a quantumous observation, we have to begin right where we are. And if we stick with it, and some of us will, and others of us won't, we discover that we gradually begin to notice um, an awareness of familiar thoughts and emotions. Uh, that just are part of our sort of personality makeup. And we see the momentum. We recognize the momentum and the power of our mental inclinations and our habits. But we see it as an ever-changing flow of experience rather than as who we are ourselves we see this movement, this momentum, the power of our inclinations and habits as a flow of experience. This We begin to touch the reality of anicca or impermanence. And this is the promise of mindfulness. At least this is what I noticed in my own practice. But this can take some getting used to since we don't ordinarily recognize thoughts or emotions or behaviors as a process of conditioned activities instead we never we ordinarily identify with them as who I am who we are as ourself or as some sort of an abiding separate and eternal identity that we take to be ourselves so <clears throat> when we begin to investigate, into a question like this, we see what actually takes place in the thinking process as just mere perceptions, as like mental images, or as feelings, I like something, I don't like something, liking or disliking, or mental activities, like mental constructions, reactions, impulses. So just as an example, these could be things like the tendency to judge, to plan, to strategize, to speculate, to proliferate. These are all kinds of activities of mind and feelings that they basically hook us, they trap us, and they cause us to lose our balance and to fall out of equanimity with our own direct experience. And when we're out of balance and out of equanimity with our own direct experience, we're more in a reactive mode than in a responsive mode. We're trying to reestablish a sense of balance, a sense of equanimity. So one way that we can cultivate self-acceptance or self-compassion is by being open to and learning to sustain an awareness of activities, such as things that are so obvious that we just don't pay enough attention to, like the activities of mind, the habit of mind that's just full of self-criticism or harsh self-judgment, or the way that our feelings of judging and um, aversion towards other people, or our feelings of guilt, all of this painful activity begins to release and unplug when we can actually see it for what it is. I'm gonna say this again, this is the promise of mindfulness. And this is also an example of how we cultivate real self-compassion, true self-compassion. So I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say it's possible to cultivate a quality of stillness of heart that responds to the dynamic, ever-changing nature of our lives and at the same time is able to allow and hold all of our feelings and perceptions exactly as they are. This is what it means to meet yourself where you are, to just be with all of that which we think of as us exactly as it is exactly where, where we are in a spacious and non-reactive space this feeling of evenness this feeling of equanimity this feeling of balance is a, it's non-reactive it's there's not resistance there it's an acceptance of the way things are and this is an example of how we cultivate true compassion it requires and it's also an expression, of equanimity. So while this is obvious to anybody who thinks about it, um, sometimes we miss the obvious, but I'm gonna say we cannot be compassionate without being equanimous. See, Compassion can't exist without equanimity. We can be equanimous without being compassionate because compassion is a response of love to the awareness of suffering. But in order to let that come into full flowering and fruition, we have to have some qualities, some, some relationships, some experience of equanimity. And this is how these qualities are related to one another. So whenever equanimity is absent when we're we're not experiencing it, we really easily default to old habits of anger or despair or irritability or frustration. And we deny or we sugarcoat our habitual confused states of mind. <clears throat> and mental states like this, aversive, you know, negative quote unquote mental and emotional states, they can't coexist with the arising of compassion. You see? So whenever those things are present in us, we we can know mm, we're not quite in sync with this quality of equanimity. So <clears throat> whenever we practice uh self compassion in our meditation we notice thoughts and emotions <clears throat> with kindness and with empathy rather than judgment and reactive narratives or stories of approval and disapproval. You see, this is, this is how it shows up in our meditation. Instead of resisting what happens in our meditation, we simply allow it to be what it is and we meet it with kindness. We, we empathize with our own humanity. Sometimes You know, sometimes we are, (laughs) sometimes we're nice and sometimes we're not nice. Sometimes we're, you know, trying our best and sometimes we're just being lazy. So seeing the patterns of thoughts and behaviors as they ebb and flow through our experience without getting seduced by them or overwhelmed by them is really an important skill. And it allows us to witness what we often mistakenly take to be ourselves for what really is, and I'm going to circle back now, a dynamic, continuous process of impulses, thoughts, and reactions, followed by new impulses, thoughts, and reactions. It's not a self. You see? And when we can see that, we don't hook onto it and hold on to it as as voraciously as we do under normal circumstances. So this practice of self-acceptance and compassion also leads us to the insight that all mind states are undependable and radically impermanent. And these two understandings of not self and impermanence, when we fully understand them or when we fully realize them, they release the mind. They release our minds from the momentum of the life defining patterns and habits of attachment. You see? We get angry and we think we're angry. We worry and we think we're worrying. That's we. we think. That's what life is that we worry, we just attach to these habits, so the equanimity that it's it, it can express as self compassion or acceptance allows us to keep our heart space open the heart mind connection open and in touch so that we can really look into our experience in a wise way and it it supports um, Our growing capacity to trust whatever we're going through, whether it's easy or difficult, whether it's good or bad, just knowing that it arises due to changing causes and conditions. We've heard this talk many, many times, but right now, today, on a societal level, we're all facing the fallout from multiple pandemics They're upon us. COVID-19, the horror of thinking 122,000 people have died in America from this disease in a short, you know, two, three, four months' time. And, 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 and on top of this, the, the cumulative toxicity of 400 years of systemic racism And massive economic uh, disruption for millions of people going on right today in in our very experience. And the isolation that's coming, that we're all experiencing, being socially distanced, the anger, the confusion, the loss, the redress, all of that's up for us. It's like there's a death and a birth and a renewal and, And the world is changing. The world has changed. It's not the same world that it was a few months ago. Things always change. This is the truth of impermanence. This is undeniable. It's an undeniable truth. And if we can learn to lean into and accept this, we can release our mistaken belief that an abiding permanent self can be found in what's actually a process of ever-changing condition dependent arising. So in this way, we can take responsibility for the causes and conditions that our mind encourages in the present. You know, what, what is the world that we're making? David said, said it the last hour, you know, we ex- experience what the way we think, the way we think is shaping our experience and <clears throat> can we can take responsibility for these things without drowning in the errors of the past. We we actually can choose to cultivate new wholesome habits of mind. And this is the fruit of self-compassion found in the spaciousness, the freedom and the stillness of this quality, this beautiful quality of equanimity. So equanimity doesn't mean everything is smooth and nothing is happening. It means that we are basically okay with whatever is happening. This is the way things are, and we're not resisting the way things are. This quality of non-resistance, of non-aversion, is a sure sign of you know, some aspect of Equanimity, whether it's perfectly equanimous or not, you know we do the best that we can. So, um, those are some of my my follow-on thoughts to David's beautiful presentation in hour one. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you, and Chris will have it in the chat because I gave her the prompts. I'm I'm going to have you consider. the following two prompts said it'll be in the chat so you don't need to write them down but looking at your at our actual lived experience um, as the place or the ground where we get to directly practice you know where where does this become real it becomes real in the recognition of our own experience so the questions are the prompts are How do you, you yourself, find balance and equanimity in your life today in the midst of the epic changes and the fallout from all of these multiple pandemics that we're now all going through together? How do you find balance and equanimity in your life in the midst of all of these epic, unprecedented changes? That's the first Question. And the second one is Is this different from how you experienced balance and equanimity in your life before COVID 19 and the killing of George Floyd turned the world that we took for granted upside down? Assuming that your world, like mine, has been turned upside down. And and does exploring the differences help you see and accept the reality of change? with more balance and equanimity? In other words, seeing that things are impermanent and changing, does this recognizing this this quality, does it help you find balance and equanimity? So those are the two questions that I want you to, to explore. And Chris will put you into breakout rooms. Of four each, and each person will get five minutes to <coughs> respond to those questions. And uh, I'll allow each person to have their five minutes, and the groups will need to self time themselves. So everyone should get four or five minutes. And um, just decide who's going to go first. As soon as you get into the breakout room, somebody volunteer to go first and then you can go clockwise or any way you set it up. And then one of you should keep time so that every four or five minutes you should switch. And then uh, two or three minutes before we're gonna come back into uh, the full group, uh, Chris will give you a warning and there'll be a 60 minute countdown. So I hope that's clear. And Chris, will you set those break rooms breakout rooms up now? So now we have just about uh, eight minutes and we have time for a few of you to to share with a larger group um, you know what came up for you or or uh, anything that you want to share from the discussion that you just had. And this is, you know, I was kind of focusing on the impact of, of the COVID-19 and the the issues that are upon us today. How does that affect, uh, how does that affect your experience of balance and equanimity? So, anyway, you you had the prompts. So let's hear from a few of you while we still have a few minutes. And. <clears throat> this is not the time to be shy or quiet.. <laughs> can you:
4: I have a quick question about how we can listen to this again. I don't know how to do that.:
2: It will appear It will appear on the front page of uh, Audio Dharma later this afternoon. It'll be and you can always up. search for Senior Sangha in Audio Dharma. You can always search for Senior Sangha and find all the recordings. Okay, is thank there? You. A,
8: there's no password, is there, Chris?
2: No, no password. Okay, good. Okay. Thank
8: you. Now I have have my screen on speaker view, so I'm not seeing everybody. I don't know if anybody's got their hand up, but.
2: Simone, if you're trying to speak, there you go. You. Got yes. It.
3: I think for all of us, the COVID uh, pandemic has helped us retreat into ourselves Mm. in many ways. Okay. Because uh, we don't have the interaction we used to have with people. We don't go out to the store uh, just for distraction. So uh, we are kind of uh, within our own. And I think this is very helpful to me.
8: It's helpful to you. Right. So how many of you, thank you, Simone. How many of you, um, and I'm going to go back to gallery view now, how many of you are finding that the sheltering in place is actually, uh, has actually been kind of nice for you as opposed to being like a stress or strain on you? Raise your hands, just like I'd like to see. See, interesting, interesting. And uh, yeah, and what about others? who finding the opposite raise your hands yeah come on be honest yeah so more people it looks like in this group are actually enjoying or finding this an easier thing to be with than a lot of people interesting do you attribute that to your practice Fiona, <laughs> you're giving a thumbs up. <laughs> I,
0: it seems that uh, uh, it's, it's it is this ground that David was talking about. The practice seems like the ground for me. And uh, uh, I, I know family members who do not have this that are uh, struggling because what was sustaining before is not available now and so casting about to find a new a new uh s- ground and yeah. i just feel fortunate that here it is from from the very beginning uh was you know
8: sure yeah. so do, do any of you think that that this has something to do with the fact that we're older and that many of us are used to being at home more than when we were younger and that that is having some impact. So it seems like a more natural thing for us to do. Yes. So that, that possibility that which yes. seems that way to me. But it's also important because I don't think any group of seniors would still report the way we did the way you all did, because I think the fact that you do have a practice, that we do have a practice that we share and we're part of a community, that also makes this sheltering and place something that is enriching rather than, you know, a, a big problem for us. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Linda, please.
0: Um, well, for two of the three of us, I, I can't speak for the third person, but two of us are somewhat, are newbies to mm-hmm. to all of this and um, had not really been too involved with IMC. Mm-hmm. So when this wonderful sangha, um, senior sangha started, um, that's when I started coming. And then, of course, it turned into this COVID thing. And... Um, I think that for the, I think I can speak for the other person, especially for myself, that it's just been such a blessing to have it um, and for and to feel included in the sangha, um, which in a much easier way than when it was physically done.
1: Mm-hmm.
8: Okay, so this is another interesting topic. I mean these are <laughs> they're not really disparate, but they are they are different. It's this new way of communicating that's that's come out of this pandemic you know like we're seeing each other on a computer screen rather than in in the meditation hall at i m c and is it as real as profound as meaningful? As when we are in person with one another.
3: Well, and for the two if that, of us,
8: not a fair question. Maybe it's just different, Linda. I, I interrupted you. I'm not,
0: sorry. I was just say for the two of us, I think it's been much more enriching, mm-hmm. and we both had the same thought that we, not that we don't, we want all of this horrible uh, situation to go away, but we both have concerns about how. You know what? What we might lose uh, when things go back to Mm -hmm. normal—that we—that has been so enriching um, while we've been sequestered.
8: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I have—I don't have a crystal ball, but (laughs) I I would be willing to bet that more and more communication will happen virtually like this than we ever dreamed of and it's bringing us together as a global community in ways that were just never possible
0: yeah that's what i was really wonderful the third person in our group what is in scotland oh really yeah so
8: i thought that was great so welcome to Scotland. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we are right on the hour. It's one o'clock and um, I hope that this has been um, a useful session for you. This, this second 50 minutes and um, I want to thank David for um, sort of setting the whole tone and, and, and getting you uh, sort of juiced up for the topic. And uh, again, I hope it was useful. And I just wanted to say, you know, when people come together like this to contemplate and practice the Dhamma, to talk about the Dhamma, to examine these kinds of questions and topics, you know, something really important is happening and um, uh, a field of goodness is created so so i want you all to lift up your right hand lift up your right hand everybody do it please and pat yourself on the back (laughs) May may the goodness of the field of merit that was created be shared with everyone in this circle and may it be shared with the world at large and may the troubles and the issues that are facing all of us may, may our goodness in some way serve to uh, tip the wheel in, in a positive pro-social direction. So may all beings everywhere be happy and may all beings everywhere find freedom from fear and want and need. Be well, be safe, take good care of yourself, and we'll see you again in a month. Thank you, Chris, too, for running this show. Okay.
0: Thank you all.
7: Thank you, Chris. Thank you all,
8: everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.
7: Bye-bye.